Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Bud Selig once told me that he would call the Dodgers office. <laughs> it's a different era and has to be put on hold. Because when you put on hold, you hear Vinny's voice. <laughs> that's the impact. You know, and, and I guarantee millions and millions of Dodger fans and baseball fans feel they've lost a member of the family today. And in, in a sense, they have. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I told you there'd be a summer schedule. I told you we'd miss some shows. So today is a Tuesday. We missed a Monday. We'll do tomorrow as well. We'll miss a few more days. Summer schedule. Come on. I used to take the entire summer. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that Richard Justice clip on Finn Scully because it puts me in the mood to talk about baseball, however, briefly in the Nats, who stink beyond words. They lost last night to the Cubs. The Cubs are 44 and 64. They're a bad team. The Nats are a worse team. The Nats are 36 and 75. They're the worst team in baseball. They're five and a half clear of the Oakland A's who spend a dollar fifty two on their entire payroll. They're five and a half worse than the Oakland A's. They're one and seven in August after last night's loss. They've been outscored fifty three to twenty five in August. I think they're nine and thirty seven in their division. The Cubs are not in the division. They're a really terrible team. I watch, but now I watch half heartedly. I don't watch with the same intent. And I think a lot of people probably watch like that and say to themselves, why do I care? You know, wait till next year or two years or five years or down the road. It's just, they have, Annabelle Sanchez pitched for them last night. If you read Davey Martinez's quotes after every single game, they're exactly the same, exactly the same after every single game. Uh, you know, the pitcher gave us everything he had. We need him to last a little bit longer. We got to just get a few more hits. And once we start hitting, we'll be fine. It's there are 120 games into the season. They're not going to be fine. They stink. Their pitchers stink. Annabelle Sanchez, who was a lovely man and was part of the World Series team. Yes. And then came back, signed a minor league contract and came back this what he, year. What he went, five innings, four runs, something like that? He went into the sixth. I mean, Davey says he gave five strong innings. Gave up the three runs in the third inning. Yeah. And then asked him to score three runs back. Here's his numbers this year. He's 0-5 with a 7.56 ERA. That's so terrible. Yeah. That's just terrible. He's not a major league pitcher anymore. And he's not as bad as Corbin. Corbin is 4-16 and 16 with a 7.02 ERA. I know Sanchez's ERA is higher, but Corbin pitches every fifth day. He probably has, among regular starters in baseball, he probably has the worst records of anybody. And you know what they should do with Patrick Corbin, who helped them win a World Series? They should invent an injury for him. Right. They should put him on the DL for the rest of the season so he doesn't get embarrassed anymore, so he doesn't go out there and get yanked in the first inning because he's not a major league pitcher right now. He may be again. And they're paying him a billion dollars. Yeah. But don't embarrass a guy who helped you win a World Series. Get him out of there. And if he says, well, I want to pitch, I want to pitch, then we're shutting you down. Yeah, yeah just it's no good. You never want to it's see no a, good. You never want to see a pitcher with 20, 20 losses on the record in the season. You know, just save him that at least. Uh, just shut him down. It's yeah. not, you and, know, <laughs> Steven Strasburg's never going to pitch an inning. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not. Yeah. And, and Corbin goes out there all the time. And he's just this doesn't have it. The team is terrible. Everybody blames the owners. What about blaming other people? 
What about blaming the general manager? What about blaming the manager? Less than three calendar years ago, they won the World Series. And my favorite player, of course, is Victor Robles, who's not a major league hitter by any stretch of the imagination. I believe he went 0 for 4 last night he with did. two Ks. <laughs> yes, I saw that, yes. He's a 230 hitter. And yeah. you know, he's just not. He's a great fielder. He's not a major league hitter. So I want to tell a small little story, and then I'll get out. The other day, a couple of days ago, I wanted fast food. I don't think I'd had fast food five years, maybe 10 years. I don't know. It's been a really long time. I just don't stop at fast food places anymore. I don't do it. And I went to a Burger King because I sort of like Burger King. I like the Whopper. I think it's fine. Um, and I go in. I, go, I physically go in. I'm wearing a mask. I go into the Burger King. And I say, now I got a $5 bill in my hand. This is very important for the story. I got a $5 bill in my hand. I go and I said, like a Whopper with cheese and pickles. You know, and I forgot that they would put tomato on it normally. I should have said tomato. It doesn't really matter. And I'd like some fries. And the guy behind the counter, a kid, says to me, well, you, do you want the meal? And I said, well, what does the meal come with? So, well, you get a drink. I said, hey, you know, I don't, I don't care. It's okay. He says, okay. This is exactly what he says. 1372. 1372. 1372. So now that my first reaction is, that must be my number when my order is ready. <laughs> I'm number 1372. Right. And then I realized they're charging me 1372 for a Whopper and some fries. I, I'm stunned. And I say, well, how much is the meal? Because now I figure I'll get the drink. 1417. Well, now you have to get the drink. I got right? the drink. The drink was better than the other stuff. But let's just focus on the 1372 for a fast food hamburger and some French fries. It, look, I tell you this all the time. I don't know what things cost. I mean, I only know what things cost of the things that I buy. And it's been a long time since I've been in a fast food place. But I was, so I put the five back and took out a 20, you know, because I had to pay for it now. I, why would you go there? Why wouldn't you go to a restaurant <laughs> and get a better hamburger? And right. I like the Whoppers. I think they're fine, but but not for is this? Do you have this experience? Or do you go to fast food places? I, I thought people had dollar menus. Uh, they always advertise dollar menus. This th yeah. when the guy says thirteen seventy two for that. Now, that stunning. was just for a regular Whopper. That wasn't like a double Whopper with cheese or what was it again? It's a Whopper. Just a Whopper. Right? I didn't ask for a double Whopper or a triple Whopper. I asked for a Whopper. That should cost you no more than $5. Well, that's what I thought. Right. And that's then why the I had a five in my hand. And the fries, if you're going to get the fries with that, and I think you always have to get the fries. I wanted the fries. Right. That's going to be maybe... $2? Two, maybe three. Maybe like high it's two, like $2.89. Yeah. Sean, have you ever, have you, do you go to fast food places at all? Occasionally. Now, the dollar menu has been renamed the value menu for this reason. Uh-huh. It's no longer okay. a dollar menu. What do you think of thirteen seventy two for a hamburger and fries? That that seems like airport prices. If you were in the airport, I'd expect that. Or I'm looking this up right now. It says the price of a Whopper. And I don't know if this is DC specific, but it says four nineteen for a Whopper, and then for fries. Well, uh, then why did they charge me thirteen seventy two? Maybe they charge you. Maybe he rang it up twice. That's the only thing I think is that that you got charged twice for the same meal because the fries. Then he said it was fourteen. Right. 1417 for the meal. 
Large fries, two thirty nine. I didn't get large fries. You just got regular fries? So this yeah. is the one on Van Ness, in the Van Ness area. It's on Connecticut Avenue. Yes. Near Van Ness. I walked in. Yeah. It's the right one, next to the, the car, car wash. wash. The car wash, yeah. That one. Yeah. Parking's always a bit tricky around there, Did they it? cheat me? It feels like they might have charged you twice for the same meal. They might have rang it up. Well, he probably just rang it up twice and didn't know well, what he did. he's an idiot. <laughs> then he shouldn't have his job. Well, actually, because maybe I should have protested or something, but I, I, it had, my point is it had been so long. Right, you just assumed. It had been so long inflation. that I thought, okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. That, that seemed, I don't go to fast food restaurants all that often, and when I say all that often, really never. But looking up these prices, I was like, wait a minute, that, that, does, that doesn't seem right. That seems... thirteen seventy two. It feels so like... I said, okay, I'll take the meal. Yeah, Because well, the yeah. meal's only 40 more cents <laughs> and I get a drink. Right. It feels like... I get my choice of drinks. Yeah. Unless there's some exorbitant price gouging going on at this particular uh, Burger King, I think he must have rang that up twice. That does not seem to be correct to me. That should Do you have... think he laughed? Do you think he went in the back room and laughed? <laughs> said, I hosed this guy. I don't think it's like Tin Men where they're trying to, you know, sort of you know, jack up the prices and get you That's on the that's an awful lot of money. That it is. Thirteen seventy-two for fast food. Fast food. There's two things you get out of it. You're gonna get it very quickly, and it's not gonna cost you a lot of money. Like less than ten dollars to eat. Should have been ten dollars, and you should have gotten change back from that. From the way I look at it. I'm sure the emailers can help us. We'll take a break. <laughs> Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is our friend Don Stewart. This is a song called You're Gonna Fly. He said recently my wife and I were watching Max Scherzer pitch on his birthday for the Mets against the Yankees. My wife's a diehard Yankee fan. Watching the game, I said to her, why didn't we get Max Scherzer? Then she said, who's Max Scherzer? I said, well, he's the guy who's pitching. He has one blue eye and one brown eye, and Tony likes him a lot. Then she said, oh, yeah. Why didn't we get Max Scherzer? The conversation ended because neither of us knew the answer. But I was secretly rooting for Max Scherzer because I've heard you talk about him a lot. And now he's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. I wrote You Gonna Fly, hoping that some movie producer will use it in an action movie. I like the song, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's why we love Don Stewart. Plays in Michael Wilbon. Wilbon, before you came on, I told a story about going to a fast food restaurant, going to a Burger King on Connecticut Avenue, near where you used to live. You know that Burger King? Yes, I do. In Van Ness, just above Van Ness, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right by Van Ness. So I have a $5 bill in my hand. I order a Whopper and fries, and the kid says to me, it's $13.72. So I took out a 20. I was just astonished because it had been so many years since, uh, since I went to anything like that. Did you go to fast food restaurants all the time. Does that sound like a fair price? Oh, God, fair. Who knows what fair price, I don't know what fair price means. Um, it's, it's what I know that to be. That my go-to move, there would be you know Whopper with cheese and a Diet Coke and you know fries, and I know it would be eleven yeah. something. It would be eleven something, and I don't go all the time anymore, Tony, because I can't. Uh, but right. I would. It, it, they they say that the flame broiled Whopper 
is okay to have. If you, if, you know, I, I am not on a no meat diet situation, so I will have that. Will be the go-to is for me. So no, it's eleven dollars and something in Phoenix. I'm not in Arizona. I'm not so sure why it's thirteen, but. That's the deal. Oh, well, when you get the drink. No, wait. When you get the drink, it was $14.17, which is what yeah. I ended up spending. It just seemed like a lot. Uh, it, 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 it probably is. Fair price. I, I, I think it... What were you expecting? Like, is it going to be $4.37 like it was 1978? Yes, I was. No, no, no. I knew it was going to be... It's got to be double digits. You knew that. Where are you? What are you doing? Uh, Tony, I'm at Pelican Hill a place I've told you a million times you need yeah. to go yeah. uh, in Southern California, um, in Orange County. Um, it's right, you know, it's, it's on the ocean. There are two, two golf courses, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful golf courses. At some point, Tony, they were billing themselves as the second most beautiful golf course in California. Mm-hmm. Or resort, Pebble. Pebble which means they, 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 they're conceding only Pebble. That's yeah. all they will concede. They're not even conceding Torrey Ponds. And it is, you know, I've loved it for 25 years. I'll come out here to play occasionally, and this time we decided to have a little vacation. Several days, actually stay here. This is not a situation where I'm, you know, doing work for the network, and I'm in Los Angeles doing shows in the studio and then driving down the Pelican on a on a off day to play. No, we're actually we're here for a few days, and it's, you know, it's, it's unbelievably beautiful. So, you know, Laguna, you, we're between Newport and Laguna on something called Newport Coast. And so one of my favorite restaurants, Las Brisas, which is a Mexican joint on the ocean. Uh, I've been coming here for 25 years, too. And so you know, we decided this is it. I wasn't going over. I love to go to Europe and went to Asia in the summer a couple of times, Europe in the summer a bunch of times. I love to do that. I just wasn't ready to do that. So we're here in California. This is as far as I was willing to go. Is uh, often when you take vacations, your brother and his family join you? Are they with you too? Yes. Don with you? No, no, they, they are oh. not. Oh, uh, they would. That, the, the original plan was I said to, to Don and you know we we often do vacations together. You're right, Tony and Don and Cheryl were like, let's go to Amsterdam. I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys can do that. I I have been traveling. You know, I'm back to pre-COVID travel volume. And I just didn't want to do it. And I said, let's get a house in California. So this was the sort of, the, we didn't get a house. We, this is what we got, sort of. Um, but no, uh, Jordan, though, Jordan, who was working, um, Jordan was working for the LAFC team. Okay. He was working for Magic Johnson this summer. Jordan, uh, Jordan is dri- driven down, and he's here with us, you know, my nephew. And he's going to Paris. For his NYU semester, no, no New York for him. This so he's he's leaving to go to Paris. Uh, Don's got to take him there, get him get him to Paris in a week. So that's part of the reason why they uh, did not do the California thing with us. We got, you know, we got we got we still got plus family here. It's it's just it's lovely. It's great. So I I mean I don't want to bring up anything sad, but I know this will be a little bit sad. Every time you told me about Pelican Hills or Pelican Hill, you always told me that that was Kobe Bryant's golf course. Yeah, and so yeah. when you mention that name to me, I automatically think of Kobe Bryant. I do. Well, so, so do I. <laughs> yeah. so when I come yeah. here, I automatically think of Kobe Bryant. And uh, it's it, every, you know, every day, it's impossible not to think of him. 
Um, and Tony, when you know, and there was some talk, you know, what twelve years ago about PTI perhaps moving to Southern California. Yeah. Um, you know, Kobe knew of this being in Southern California and going to Disney functions, dinners, banquets, black tie, this, knowing the executives. And he said to me one day in a locker room, "Hey, if you guys move out here, where are you going to live? You should come live down in your Pelican. I know you play golf there." And I was like, dude, are you crazy? It, it's like an hour and a half if, if there's any traffic at all. And we, we, we talked about it, and he talked about how much he loved it here. And I, I, and I saw him here uh, on more than one occasion. And, yes, so it's, it's, it's impossible not to be, I mean, to be, for me to be here and not think prominently of Kobe Bryant and his family. Yeah, I understand that. Hey, the last time we were on PTI – we, we devoted ourselves to baseball, and there were two really big series coming up, both in the National League. Um, yeah. San Diego at the Dodgers, Atlanta at the Mets. And the two second-place teams got waxed. Yep. I mean, they really did. They re- Now, I understand they're on the road. But, but they, they didn't win a game, waxed. right? They both, well, they both got swept, Atlanta right? won one. Atlanta won okay. one. Okay, not good. Not, not enough of a five-game series. And uh-huh. the Padres, Tony, the Padres... I, I think the Padres, you know, people want to talk about talent, and they do this all in every sport. People who watch sports aren't any smarter, despite all the information at their fingertips, despite being able to see all the games out of market, despite being able to sit and judge something other than just the talent. People aren't smart. I mean, sports fans are no smarter. As a matter of fact, they're not as smart as they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it's just quite possible that the San Diego Padres are just going to be a collection of front-running dudes who aren't any damn good. That's possible. And I told yeah. you going into that series, I said, I want to see how the Padres do what they do. Are they going to be knuckleheads? Do they have any poise? Do they have leadership? What are they made of? Don't tell me what the talent level is. Are they going to be the Brooklyn Nets on some level? Are they just bound to disappoint? And I think the answer is yes. I know it's early August. It I get early. it. Yeah, it's early. But Tony, but Tony, some things is not too early to tell. And I look at them and just think, you know what? They got all the talent in the world, and maybe they're just going to be chumps. And and the, the smart, resourceful teams with smarter, resourceful players are going to take their lunch money. That's what I. You can't say that about the Braves because the Braves just won a World Series. Oh no, Braves are legit. They're legit. They may be against a better so, team, but they're legit. Yeah, yeah. But but the Padres, uh, I don't know about them. They yeah, seem the like Mets? they seem like they may be high on the dope quotient. Yeah, that may be the truth. I'll get you out of here on this. We lost Vin Scully. Um, I didn't listen to Vin Scully. I never met Vin Scully. I appreciate how great Vin Scully was. But you and I share this. We share a life in which, in the early years of our lives and until we started working for certain, the predominant sport in the United States of America was baseball. Absolutely. And we heard people in our ears every single day and night for six months at least. You heard Harry Carey. You know, I I heard Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kiner and Bob Murphy. And there's an important notion here that that is lost now on kids as they you know they're sort of like flies and they just alight on something for an hour and then go to something else 
Harry Carey in your life, Jack Brickhouse as well, but Harry Carey in your life was a trusted friend, right? The way Vin Scully was for Dodger fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't... I, 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 we traveled as a family, and so I knew... I'd heard some Dodger broadcasts, but, you know, the sprinkling. And yeah, so I knew who Vince Scully was, and I knew that he was thought to be the greatest. But, but he, it, you know, I did not know the Vince Scully stories like people are telling now. And out here, Tony, there's very, still, there's incredible mourning going on, but respect and, cele- and celebration of his life and his, and his yeah. professional greatness. But, yes, for me, it was Jack Brickhouse first. Because Jack Brickhouse called Ernie Banks' games. Not only did he call Ernie Banks' games, Jack Brickhouse called Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus' games. Right. So you know right. who my favorite was. Jack Brickhouse was my favorite. I, I met him once when I was a kid. Um, and Harry Carey, yeah. I mean, Harry Carey came along when I was already a teenager because he did the White Sox first. Yeah, and then he, he shifted over. Yeah. Was, or was fired, depending on the story you want to believe, from St. Louis. And he shifted over to the Cubs, and he did the Cubs until, I want to say Harry's been dead now, 25 years, 23 years. I think he died in 99. And so it's been a long time, but yes, the voice of, you know, Tony, the person that I imitate or try to, the person whose stories I care about, I can quote things, I can quote entire broadcasts, innings from Harry Carey. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't, baseball's local, at least it was then. And everybody had this person. You and I talked about this the day that Vince Scully died. We talked about Bob Prince in Pittsburgh and, and you know, Ernie Harwell in Detroit. And so you had, and they were on, for the most part, so they were on AM radio. So you could go away and hear them. You could, you could, you could get the Cubs games. My God, you could hear Harry Carey anywhere in America and sometimes beyond that. And so, yes, it was Harry Tony. And I got to meet him. I'd go and sit at a bar that Harry would sit at in Chicago when I was in college at Northwestern. And some of us who were journalism majors, we would go and sit with Harry and say, you know, this stupid kid stuff, we're 20 years old. Harry, tell us another one. Tell us another story. And Harry was nuts. He was funny and profane, and he had too much to drink on a lot of occasions, which just increased the number of stories and the charm of the stories. And so, yes, for me, it was Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey. But I understand my, the kids, my friends like Jay Adande, who grew up here. And yeah, it was, in L.A. you yeah. know, yes. And, and, they, and, and Tony, they also had an incredible Laker broadcaster. Chick Hearn. Chick, so they had Chick Hearn and Vin Scully. But I had Brickhouse and Harry. And so for me, this brought back a lot of memories of listening to them. And again, with Harry, Tony, Harry sat, Harry did the games at Comiskey when he was doing the White Sox. He would do the games shirtless on Saturday afternoon because day oh baseball, God. even not outside of Ruby, day baseball was king in Chicago. Harry would do the games shirtless on Saturday afternoon, and he would have a sprinkler thing. And Oh, God, what I'm about to say, this is a true story. He would have, of course, teenage and young women, young young women. They would just start their own wet T-shirt contest while Harry's on the air. And Harry's pulling the chain 
to, to drench these women in their wet T-shirts in the summer in Chicago. Harry's doing this, and the games are on television. Yeah, we can't. Uh, people would think, oh, no, he's we making this up. No, 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 no. No, And so the White Sox were so bad that this was the attraction, was Harry and his shenanigans. And so he was the opposite of Vince Scully, probably in every significant way. But Harry is still celebrated, still talked about. And it's been, like I said, I think Harry passed away. I'm going to say 99, to the best of my recollection. But he, you know, there was nothing, no one like Harry Carey. All right. That's good to hear. Reminiscences are good. Have a fun vacation. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Tom. Thank you. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Um, when, you say I'll talk, when I say I'll talk to him soon, the PTI is off for a while. So. We're off. That's why we're at the summer schedule. I think I've said that before. We'll come back with Jason Lock and Fora, and we will talk mainly about Deshaun Watson because I can't get enough of this. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Some nights I find myself wondering about DG. Is he locked up in a mansion or sheltered under a tree? Is he warm? Is he cold? Is he feeling just right? Oh, I'm wondering how DG is tonight. Are his favorite teams all rolling? Do the outcomes match his wish? Is fortune in his favor? Is his guacamole fresh? <laughs> I sit and watch the shadows pass across the moon. I whisper his name wistfully as I let go my balloon. Let's all sing this song As the evening drains of light As we wonder how DG is tonight The brilliant Dan Byrne with the ballad of DG It's just totally brilliant, totally brilliant Plays in Jason Locke and Fora Um I, I'm going to obsess over this, and I know the last time we spoke, we talked about this. Deshaun Watson, I, sure. I can't, I can't get enough of it. Are what? Let's just start at the beginning, because you follow this more closely than I. Were you? Well, what was your reaction when he got six games? My initial reaction was, okay, that's um, far lower than than I expected, and. That's not what the league was looking for, but let's go through this ruling, you know? And then once you're able to read the ruling and digest it all, 
my reaction was that Judge Robinson has put this decision on a tee for Roger Goodell or whomever he designates as the um, appeals uh, person, judge, ruler, whatever you want to call it, designee, whoever is in that role. This is on a tee for them to take that bat and smash it and push push it much further. Um, I felt like every all the nuance, the way it was written, the points that were made, the the painstaking points that were made in some cases of, um, I do believe there's a preponderance of evidence here that it is far more likely than not that a you know there were numerous instances of nonviolent sexual assault. You know, this is predatory behavior. I'm not yes. so sure he can stop on his own. In fact, I think we probably need to mandate that he can no longer get a massage from anybody other than someone, you know, designated by the team or a team employee. And I'm going to look at this through a purview of sort of um, my first decision and my first ruling, and I'm going to kind of look at this as one uh, set of actions, but if others wanted to look at this as uh, a, a continuum of predatory behavior that speaks to multiple incidents, you know, I I would certainly understand that. I mean, I, I just feel like everything about it was was basically there for the league to then, I'll go back to it, t- pick up the bat and smash it from the tee to whatever point they felt like made the most sense, whether that's at least a year, whether that's indefinite. Um, however, that final ruling, that final verdict comes down, there is more than enough there there in that decision to justify it. So are you suggesting that Sue Robinson worked hand-in-hand hand with the league, in effect, to to set this whole thing up, that she knew that six wasn't enough. I mean, she did use the word predatory a number of times. I, I was, I have to admit to you, I was stunned that it was six games. I was actually stunned. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that so much in cahoots. It's, it's just that when you looked at the sort of her writing of the decision and you looked at what went into it and you looked at her interpretation of the evidence and you you looked at her language. I mean, she also went out of her way to point out, like, I'm not so sure he thinks he did anything wrong and there's certainly not remorse or contrition. Like, right. it was like everything, it was almost like the number, like, a higher number, a much more serious um, verdict, whatever you want to call it, was justified. But for whatever reason, and I think a lot of it was this was, you know, her first rodeo, she said it where she said it. I don't think she did that, you know, because somebody whispered it in her ear like this would be, the perfect situation, but I do think the reality was for a commissioner who, let's face it, is far closer to the end of his regime than the beginning, for someone who's on his last contract, for someone who was, I think, tried to take the league um, and make it more, uh, some would use the stupid word woke, I don't know what the exact right term would be, but it's been clear through these last few hiring cycles 
it's been clear that Roger Goodell is at least expressing his discontent and his sort of disconnect at, so, at, at, at certain points in time with the way things were happening in the league um, and, and with some of the behaviors and some of these outcomes. And I think this was an, an instance where, especially for someone who is more of an outgoing commissioner than incoming, if he wanted to use this as an opportunity to, to sort of push things in a direction that from a PR or an optic standpoint would be more in line with, I think, where a, a lot of football fans, a lot of Americans, you know, a, a lot of just people who had paid attention to this felt like it was warranted that this actually was the perfect opportunity for him to kind of come in and say, no, I've, I've, I've got even more of a moral high ground here than the judge. And again, it's not going to be directly him, but let's be clear. There's no independence about this process. No, it is no. chosen directly by him. So I, and the fact that I think it was a win for the league in a lot of ways, go back to the NFLPA statement the night before Judge Robinson's ruling came out. They're saying we think this process was 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 real, and we think it was transparent, and we think it should be respected, and we like the way this is going. So, the idea that it's a Roger Goodell kangaroo court that was thrown out, you know. And now, whether the six games was enough, well, guess what? NFLPA, you also collectively bargained this other part of the process that he still has some control over, and so I, I do think in a lot of ways. It's kind of the perfect storm in, in a way that allows the NFL to come out of it saying, no, we, we, we agree with what the judge said, the, 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 the crux of her argument, but we can't live with six. We, we need to have a stronger final verdict. So it leads me to this question, and you mentioned the NFLPA. Their job is to represent players they signed an agreement that was collectively bargained that there would be a decision and then there was this right of appeal both ways both ways yeah what do they do <laughs> what uh, do they do i mean i'm i'm not a lawyer uh i've talked to several lawyers and i've i've watched and covered so many instances of individuals you know and most of the time players trying to seek relief through the court system about issues that have been largely already sort of adjudicated through the collective bargaining agreement. And the league comes out the winner almost every time. I mean, the idea that Deshaun Watson's going to be able to get a stay or an injunction to get a judge to drop everything they're doing and put this at the top of their docket and go through and find reasons for why you know, he's been egregious here or, 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 you know, to make the case for why he should have the right to play football immediately or to play football more to the point in week seven. Because I don't think there's any way that based off of the reaction of sort of his side to the initial ruling, I don't think there's any way around six. I don't think Deshaun Watson can really make the case that, yeah, last year was time served and I need to play football right now. And, and even the other argument about week seven, these two parties had 
all the time they needed to eventually come up with this document that lays out how something just like this should be handled. And, again, not a lawyer, didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night or whatever, but I just have watched this forever. And this instance in particular, I just think it's going to be a really tough needle for his legal team to thread that here's why, you know, all of a sudden at the end, this is now sort of a sham or this is now not fair to my client or this individual. And and here's why um, justice can only be served by getting him out there on a football field. This is someone who was, you know, was perfectly fine with working out his own arrangement with the Houston Texans last year where he didn't play football for a year because he didn't want to play for them anymore, and it wasn't convenient for either party to have him out there representing them. So here's your $11 million to do whatever the hell you want to do. Like, that doesn't speak to someone who absolutely positively was driven and could only be made whole and could only feel like, you know, he's, he's doing what he's born to do if he's out there on a football field. Like, again, I, I, I think they're going to have a really difficult argument to make under all of these circumstances. Thank you, Jason. Plug your Always radio show pleasure. for us. Plug Thank your you, radio guys. Show. Sorry I sound like crap, but it is what no, it is, it's I okay. guess. Thank you. No, he doesn't want to plug his radio show. No, I guess he was, wasn't all fitting all that well. No. But it was lovely to hear from him. It is. He's, he's very good. He is. He's the best. He, he actually is the <laughs> he best. He really is. We'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I could listen to this all day. This is Jeremy Vint again. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Please find attached my latest contribution to the mailbag. Many continued thanks for your years of entertainment. Your official analog synth lord of the Tony Kornheiser show, <laughs> Jeremy Vint, Vancouver, British Columbia. Totally brilliant. You want to do the uh, Bethesda Bagels ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Okay, so what you did today, you you tried to do something. uh, We didn't start the fire, the Billy Joel song. Yes. You tried to relate it to my life. So I will read it. (laughs) Camp Kiyoma, Larry Brown, Ed's Tropical Aquarium. George Smilo, Hewlett High, Driver's Ed, We Almost Died. Lindbergh, Rockaway, Dairy Barn's Gone Away. Louise Gluck, Aloha Towers. Who the hell ate all my flowers? It's Jim Smilo, not George Smilo. Oh, it's Jim. 
Donut. Jim Smilo. <laughs> That's very localized for me. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning. I'd love that song. Isn't it a great it's song? A, it's not a song so much as a poem. And yes. I, I love it. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jason Lock and Fora. Thanks to today's sponsors, Trade Coffee, Sunday, and Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Thanks again to Jeremy Vint. That's just so wonderful. From Alex Lau in New York City. As much as we like to joke about how old you are, you don't actually show your age all that much. You're still cooking with gas on PTI. Too bad that this show stinks. And your politics certainly don't reflect those of the average 74-year-old white guy who's got a nice nest egg, or at least did pre-chatter. <laughs> but towards the end of Tuesday's show, your phone rang. Um, and, and it had a ringtone. The only people I know who have ringtones have been shipped off to Ingleside to play songs on the piano that they also use as their ringtones. Please ditch the ringtone and join the 2020s. Sincerely a concerned millennial. I don't know what a ringtone is. Michael put that on my phone so I would hear it. Yes. Yeah. So when, and some people design it so like you can have a specific ringtones for individual people. No, I don't. Yeah, Didn't no. think that was you. From yeah. Claire Natola. Thus far, Keith Oberman has special guests announcing this is Countdown with Keith Oberman at the beginning of each podcast. Larry David was featured on the first one. John Dean the second. When do we get to hear your cameo? Whenever Keith asks. Yes. He has not asked. From Chris Bansells in Forest Hill, Maryland. There's a Susquehanna game now. I was kayaking on it Thursday with a woman to whom I'm related by marriage. We were just below the Conowingo Dam. The river was very low and there was no rain. Please tell Michael. It's fabulous. From Teresa LaHaye in Springfield, Missouri. When will I learn not to take a sip of anything when a Dan Byrne baseball song is playing? I believe it was Otani the Hitter Likes Cokes and Roasted Weenies that caused my strawberry <laughs> banana smoothie to visit my t-shirts. Totally worth it. From Mike Todd in Columbus, Ohio. Not that Mike Todd. During your most recent SeatGeek read, you began to list the members of the Rascals. You paused to recall the last member of the band, and I shouted to no one in particular, Dino Dinelli. <laughs> Good God, what have I become? Dino Dinelli, Gene Cornish, Felix Cavalieri, Eddie Brigatti. There you go. Uh, Anthony Fapiano in Simsbury, Connecticut, which is right near Bristol. Michael mentioned that Bootsy is on an extended summer break from podcasting, but did he play Billy Joel on his last show? <laughs> I will hang up and listen. Um, from Steve Bullington, this is interesting. My friend... David Highway, who is the county historian, country historian in Hamilton County outside of Indianapolis, recently wrote of this historic event in Indiana history. Quote, in the year of 1826, the great emigration of squirrels occurred. The squirrels passed through this county from west to east. The number could not be estimated. The time occupied in passing was about two weeks. They destroyed all the corn in the fields they passed over. They could not be turned in their course, but went straight on in the route taken. When they came to White River, they entered the water at once and swam across. Hundreds of them were shot. Others were killed with clubs and stones. It was never known from whence they came or where they went. Wow. The great squirrel migration. Well, they're eating, they ate all my tomatoes. Yes. I don't have any tomatoes. Yes, they did. And Steve in Zionsville, Indiana says, our mascot at Zionsville High School was the Eagle, and our yearbook was called Airy. Our most famous alumni, Brad Stevens. Oh, that's a pretty good one. From Nick Milkey in Montgomery, Alabama. I see we're doing rivers now. The two closest to me are the Alabama River and the Coosa River. You're welcome. <laughs> From Nick Sharkey <laughs> in Washington, D.C., via Escanaba, Michigan. Vin Scully's career cannot be questioned, but I offer the counterpoint that he was only retired for about four years. Luke Russert has been retired for longer than that, so really, who has the better legacy? <laughs> I've got nothing for the Susquehanna River game, but give me a call if you want to discuss the Bark River in Michigan. It's not a big river, and it's pretty inconsequential. <laughs> right, we'll do one you. more from R.C. in Charleston, West Virginia. 
I just wanted to write in and thank you for the awesome show last Wednesday, August 3rd. It was wonderful listening to you, Bob Ryan and Richard Justice, tell stories about and pay homage to Bill Russell and Vince Scully. It doesn't get much better than the legends of their respective games being discussed amongst the de facto historians of the game. Over and over again, I find myself listening to your podcast thinking, gosh, you and your friends are so much smarter and more interesting than me and mine. La cheeserie. Um, you can be my friend. It's fine. You're smarter than you think. You listen to the show. We're all smart. Isn't that what uh, James Gandolfini said? We're all blank and smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're out on your bike tank, everyone is always do wear white. I'm going to solve. All right. Corno curl cabinet. You're an idiot. <laughs>
Some nights I find myself Wondering about DG Is he locked up in a mansion Or sheltered under a tree Is he warm? Is he cold? Is he feeling just right? Oh, I'm wondering how DG is tonight. Are his favorite teams all rolling? Do the outcomes match his wish? Is fortune in his favor? Is his guacamole fresh? I sit and watch the shadows Pass across the moon I whisper his name wistfully As I let go my balloon Let's all sing this song As the evening drains of light As we wonder